0: Good morning. It's good to see everyone here this morning. Uh, I drew the short straw and get to follow Jay in his meeting. So, if you're, uh, I'm not going to be quite up to that quality, I don't think, but I'm going to try to get through some things this morning. And the things I'm going to try to talk about this morning are some things that we need to talk about every day, things we need to worry about every day. You know, whenever I was talking to Mike, I was talking to him, I go, I don't know a very good follow-up to what jay was doing because jay is a lot of his stuff was good practical knowledge and he basically did all of that so i'm like what's a good follow-up for this and what mike suggested and it's something that we used to teach on a lot i don't know why we don't teach on it as much as we used to whenever i was a kid it was something that was maybe a once a month maybe every other month kind of thing that we taught on but we don't teach on it much anymore i really don't know why What we're going to teach on this morning is what is the mission of the church? You know, every successful company or every successful organization has some sort of mission statement. The company that I work for, we do school bus driving. The mission statement for our company is we will provide transportation to and from school and to and from events in a safe manner and in a timely manner. That's our mission statement. You can think of many things you've been involved with that have mission statements. You know, the police, they have it on the side of their cars to protect and serve. Mission statements are something that let us know what our cause is, what we're supposed to be doing in life with those particular organizations. Well, what is the mission of the church? You know, I Googled it, because you can find anything on Google these days. And you know what? There was a multitude of answers that weren't the same. Nobody had a concise definition of what the uh, mission of the church was. You had five or six different answers, and what I've done, I've compiled some of them. I'm going to show you what the world tells you, or what the world of Christianity tells you, that the mission of the church should be. The first one is to be a light in the community. I agree with that. You should be a light in the community, but I don't believe that's the overall mission of the church. I believe it helps with the mission of the church. I believe it was commanded for us to do that, to be good examples. But I don't believe that's the overall mission of the church. I don't mean to disparage that in any way. I believe that to be totally true. But it's not the overall mission of the church. Another one that says is to be charitable. I agree with that. God commanded us to be charitable. We do charitable things here. We did a food drive during the meeting. We do those kind of things. But is that the overall mission of the church is to show charity to the less fortunate? I believe it's a big part, but I don't believe it's the overall mission. See, all these things will fit under that umbrella. But what is the mission then? Now, this one, I couldn't find a scripture to back up. To correct injustice in the world. I mean, maybe there's a point to that. Maybe you can do that through your example. But I haven't ever heard Jesus taught that you need to fight to cure all injustice in the world. On the other hand, he taught the world was an evil place. Maybe Maybe there's some effect we can have on that through our lives. But I don't believe that's the mission of the church. To show God's love. That was a popular one. There was a lot of essays on Google about how the mission of the church is to show God's love. And I agree with that. I agree we need to be a loving people. I agree that God taught us to show His love, to forgive others as He has forgiven us. But I don't believe that's the overall mission. I believe that fits nicely under that umbrella, but I don't believe that's the overall mission. To worship God. Well, that's got to be the mission of the church, to worship God. Yes, I believe we ought to worship our Creator. And the person that's going to save us from our sins, I believe that. But I don't believe that's the overall mission. So what is the overall mission, you must be wondering? Because all these are pretty good things, you would think. Well, who's the head of the church? Jesus is the head of the church. So why don't we let him tell us what the mission of the church is? I could go and read to you what Paul wrote about the mission of the church, but let's go straight to the source. You know, whenever I'm at work and the big boss speaks, everybody listens. (laughs) So when the head of the church speaks, listen, and Jesus is the head. So let's listen to what he has to say and what his Bible has to say about the mission of the church. First, in Matthew chapter 28, we're going to start in verse 18. And Jesus came and spoke unto them, saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son of the Holy Spirit teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you, and lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the war- age. Amen. That was his last message to his followers before he ascended. So that's pretty important. To me, this is what the mission of the church is. And we're going to break this down, because there's a lot of moving parts to this. But this was the mission Jesus sent his disciples on, and we're going to find out what we need to do through this. But there's a lot of moving parts. There's a lot of we need to do to do this. And like I said, the things on that first slide, they could all be a part of that. They're all part of showing people what they need to do and how they need to become disciples. That's all part of that. But we're going to break down the mission of the church this morning. The first thing we need to notice is it says, go therefore. You know, go is an action word. Go is a verb. I don't remember a lot from English, but I remember verbs mean you have to go do something. (laughs) Are we sitting back and waiting for people to come to us to talk about Jesus? That's not what the Bible teaches at all. It says go out and find these people and teach them about me. You know, if you just happen to find us, that's great. I'm not going to say, no, you can't come here because we didn't go out and find you. But that should be our mission as a congregation here is to go out into this neighborhood, into this community of Denton. You know, here he says, go into all nations. Well, you got to start somewhere. Start where you're at. You're here in Denton. You know, Mike goes all over the country and to other parts of the world. There are men that are taking care of that. Who's taking care of Denton? Is Denton being taken care of in the way that it needs to be taken care of as, it go, as far as us going out and teaching the word. Is that, is that what we're doing? Are we going out and teaching the word in Denton like we should be? Let's start, let's even smaller. How are you doing in your own little neighborhood of Denton? You know, Denton's a big place. We got two colleges, three or four high schools. Maybe you can't hit all of Denton. How are you doing in your little circle, in your little neighborhood? Of teaching people about Jesus. We got to go out to do that. You know when Paul was chosen to be a vessel of the God. To proclaim his name. Did Paul sit. Okay send them to me God. I'm waiting for them. Send them to me. He went on three missionary journeys. That went over 7,000 miles. Now I'm not calling you to do that. But Paul did not just sit around and wait for people to come to him to tell him about Jesus. And we don't need to do that either. Make disciples of all nations. Well, what's a disciple? The dictionary defines a disciple as a follower or a student of of a teacher or a philosopher. So we need to go out and make people followers of Christ. We need to go out and make disciples. So there's another action where we need to go out and make disciples. Make something. Through our teaching. Through our actions. Through how we compose ourselves. How we present ourselves. There's a lot of ways to teach people. You know, there was a drug campaign going on whenever I was young. And it showed a man holding a box. And it had all this drug paraphernalia in it. And he went into his son, he goes, Where'd you get all this? He said, I learned it from watching you. Every day you're out showing people what a disciple of Christ ought to look like. Every day you exit these church doors and you go out into the community. You're putting on an example of what a disciple of Christ ought to look like. We don't need to take that lightly. That's not something that we put on when we come in the doors and take off when we leave. That's something we live every day. And if you want to make disciples, you need to make sure you're living it. Because people see through a phony. You know, you can see through the salesman that just wants to sell you something because he needs the commission. And then you can tell the salesman that really believes in what he's selling. I've I've been in the presence of both, and I'll tell you more more likely, I'm gonna side with the guy who believes in what he's selling. So we need to go out and make disciples. Well, how do we do that? Baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. That's an action too. Baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son and the Holy Spirit. That's how you make a disciple. How are we going to make disciples if we don't know how to do it? How are we going to make disciples if we haven't gotten our Bible and learned what Jesus would have us to do? I'm just going to hit the bare minimum of discipleship today. There's a lot of stuff in the Bible about discipleship. And we're disciples out of these people. And it starts with baptizing them. Making sure they're in Christ's body. Because then it goes a little bit further. Teaching them to observe all things I have commanded you. You know, some people just like to make disciples and leave them on their own. Well, you're, you're part of the church now. Go out on your own and just figure it all out. That's not what Jesus ever intended. He told the older men to teach the younger men. The older women to teach the younger women. We're not just supposed to get out there and let them fend for themselves. Because they'll lose every time. That is the mission of the church. Now you go, that's, that's kind of a small mission. It's a precise mission. Jesus didn't want to leave anything to chance. He wanted them to know exactly what they needed to do, how they needed to do it. And all the other things fall neatly under that umbrella. You show God's love, people are going to be more likely to listen to you. You're a charitable person, more people are going to be likely to listen to you. And it all falls underneath that umbrella of this. This isn't the only account of this particular thing that Jesus told to his apostles. If we go into Mark 16, starting in verse 15. He, says, he said to them, Go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He who believes and is baptized will be saved, but he who does not believe will be condemned. Now here we find a little bit extra part of it. How are we going to make disciples? How are we going to convince them they need to be baptized? How are we going to do this? Preach the gospel. If you don't know what the gospel is, how can you preach it? He added this part into uh, Mark's account because that's what we're to go out and teach. You don't have to teach the mysteries of Revelation or the mysteries of Daniel. Some of those are pretty complicated. But any Christian who's been in the faith for a while can go out and teach the gospel. It's not hard. It's not difficult. It's plainly written in the scriptures. Anybody can do it. Whenever he teaches us that we need to be able to answer with a hope that is within us, that's what he's talking about right there. The gospel is the hope that's within us. Put there by Jesus and God, we have a hope through the gospel. We don't need to hide it, we need to be that light and share it. Oh, I found this great thing. I'm going to keep it all to myself. We'll figure out how God deals with those people here in just a minute. But that's not how we're to be. We're supposed to spread it. You know, I didn't ask for this song this morning, but ring out the message. Go from the highest hilltop and shout it out. People need to hear. And I... The biggest excuse that I hear today is, well, people just don't want to hear me. People don't want to hear it. That's not on you. What's on you is to be willing to teach them. If they come to you, if you go to them and you try to teach them, what they do with it is their business. That is between them and their God. What is between us and our God is how we dealt with that situation. Did we give them the opportunity and I'm sad to say in my life I have failed in that in many, many regards. There have been times where I have let the opportunity pass. And the funny thing about opportunity is it may not come a second time. How are we dealing with the opportunities that we have to teach people? Are we making excuses of why I can't? Or are we going out there and showing them the Word of God the way we know how? And like I said, you don't have to deep, dive deep in the Scriptures to teach them about Jesus. There are some things in the Scriptures that get very complicated. I'm not going to lie to you, especially when you get to Revelations. But that's not what God's expecting you to teach them. What is God expecting you to teach them in? Well, what is the Gospel? Here's what Paul defined the Gospel as. Moreover, brethren, I declare to you, which I preach to you, which also you received, and which you stand, by which you also are saved, if you hold fast that word which I preach to you, unless you believed in vain. For I delivered to you first of all that which I also received, that Christ died for our sins, according to the Scriptures, and that He was buried, and that He rose again the third day, according to the Scriptures. That's what the Gospel is. You know, you hear people saying, it's the good news. Yes, it's very good news. I agree with that. But there's more to it than it just being good news. Christ died for our sins, according to the Scriptures, and that He was buried, and that He rose again. That is the hope we are founded in. If that did not happen, we have no hope. There is no hope for us whatsoever if that did not happen. That's simple, right? That's what Peter did on the day of Pentecost. He goes, you know that guy that y'all crucified? He did all these miraculous things in your sight. You killed him. And he fulfilled all the prophecies. But yet he rose again. And they were pricked in their hearts and said, what shall we do? He says, arise and be baptized. Calling on the name of the Lord, washing away your sins. That's not some big, great oratory with big words that nobody can understand. It's simple. All you got to do is go out. Jesus died for you. He was buried and he rose again. That way your sins might be forgiven. That's what we need to be teaching. Paul also goes on to say, For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God to salvation for everyone who believes, for the Jew first and also for the Greek. I am not ashamed. How many times do we get ashamed to go out and tell people about Christ? Oh, they're going to think I'm weird. They're going to think I'm different. Well, yes, you are. You were bought with a price. You were bought with a high price. You are different. Don't be ashamed of it. Don't be ashamed of the gospel that saved your soul. And why should we not be ashamed of it? Because it is the power of God to salvation. I was lost, but now I'm found. As Amazing Grace puts it. It is the power of salvation. That's a big power. To forgive all the sins I've committed and all the sins everybody's committed. That's a big power. Why would we we be ashamed of that? Paul wasn't. He said, I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. Because it is the power of God unto salvation. To everyone that believes. That doesn't leave anybody out. Now you can choose not to believe. That's on you. But it doesn't leave anybody out of that promise. Why would we choose to leave people out? Whenever we ourselves are sinners, why would we choose to leave anybody out? Don't be ashamed of it. Spread it far and wide. You want real change in the world? Start teaching this. You want the world to get changed? Start teaching what Jesus would have them to do. Don't worry so much about what the government's doing at this time, what the city government's doing. Teach people what Christ would do and change will come naturally. Why is the mission important to God? Why is this mission so important to God? Well, let's see what Paul says about it. The Lord is not slack... Excuse me, Peter, I believe, said this. The Lord is not slack concerning His promises as some count slackness, but is long-suffering toward us, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. That's why it's important to God. He doesn't want anybody to perish. He wants everybody to take part in the forgiveness you have. Not willing that any should perish. Willing for some to perish? I mean, we want to say no. We want to say no, I'm not willing that anybody should perish. I want everybody to come to Jesus. Then why do we let opportunity after opportunity go? If you're not willing that any should perish like God is, why do we let opportunity after opportunity go? with our best friends, our family? Why do we let those opportunities go if we really want people to be saved? You know, and other excuses. Is I just don't have the time. You know, as I've gotten higher up in my company, I've realized that doesn't mean I don't have time. That means I have something else I'd rather be doing with that time. And that's fine. We all have priorities. We all have stuff we're involved in. That's fine. I'm involved in a lot of stuff at work. But the problem is, whenever I let that take over, what I should be doing here. Because God's not willing that any should perish. So why would I say, well, God, I just really don't care about that. I'd rather go, oh, let's see, go out in the boat or go to that sporting event. That seems real fun. He's not willing that any should perish, but all should come to repentance. We need to teach people how to come to repentance. Repentance. What happens if I ignore the mission? What happens if I just say, that's all good and well for y'all? You know, we have a nice thing here. We have an evangelist, Brother Mike, that meets with us. We can just say, oh, that's Mike's job. (laughs) We'll let him take care of all that. What does the Bible say about Christians that don't take part in the mission? I am the vine and my father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away... And every branch that bears fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. I am the vine, ye are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit. For without me you can do nothing. For anyone who does not abide in me, he is cast out as a branch and is withered. And they gather them and throw them into the fire and they are burned. Two times in the same chapter. Two times, four verses apart. He's going to tell you what happens if you don't do the mission. You know, you just pick out the vine, people knew about farming. They knew that if a branch was not bringing forth fruit, you cut it off. And that's what's going to happen. Jesus says, if you don't bear fruit, you're going to be cut off from me. Do we want to be cut off from Jesus in the condition we're in? I don't think any of us can say, yeah, I want that. If I asked for a show of hands, I guarantee you no hand would go up. I want to be separated from Christ. And we all know how fruit works. We know if you plant grapes, you get grapes. We know if you plant watermelon, you get watermelon. If you plant the seed of God, you get a disciple of God. Are we planting the seeds? You know, planting and watering is a good thing. God will give the increase. But we've got to be willing to plant in water. We've got to be willing to go out, take up our time, and teach people about the Savior that died for them. Or else we'll be cut off from that Savior ourselves. And it says we'll be cast into a fire and they are burned. That doesn't sound pleasant to me. That's not somewhere I would want to be. That's not somewhere I would want to be at all. Well, now that we know what the mission is, we know why the mission is important to God, we know what will happen to us if we ignore the mission. How are we doing? As you can see here, we got a little school kid with an F and an A. How are we doing? What kind of grade would we give ourselves? And we got to look through this through the eyes of God. Because God doesn't look at things like we do. There are two stories in the Bible I would like to point out to you right now. The first one happened in Genesis. Noah was told that there was a great flood coming that was going to destroy the earth. And that he needed to build this boat, this ark. That way he and his family might be saved. And he was preaching that this flood was coming that whole time. The whole time he was building the ark, he was preaching, there's a flood coming, there's a flood coming. Repent and be saved. Repent and be saved. Repent and get on the boat. You know how many he got? He got eight. I don't even have to use both hands to tell you how many he got. He got eight. Now, in today's standards, we might say, oh, that's really low. Oh, I can't believe he only got eight. That's eight more than he got if he would have kept silent. Noah wouldn't have got anybody if he would have kept silent. That's eight souls that were saved. Because Noah didn't be quiet, wasn't quiet about it. Noah taught about it. And what's even more important, it was his family that he saved. Parents, don't let your kids. Don't let it happen. While you have control over your kids, don't let them. Don't show them that the world is more. Preach, teach your children. Teach them what Jesus did for them. If you can't get anybody else, get your kids. You know, my dad used to have a little cartoon in the front of his Bible. I don't even know if he still has it. He may have it. But in the, in the cartoon, there's a little boy and a little dad walking through flames. And the little boy looks up at the dad and says, Dad, why didn't you tell me about this place? Do we want that on our conscience?
1: As a father, I don't
0: want that on my conscience. I'll tell you that right now. There was another man by the name of Andrew. How many of you know a whole lot about Andrew from the scriptures? Just by a show of hands. I mean, you're probably not going to, Michael might know quite a bit, but you're not going to read a whole lot about Andrew in the Bible. There are some stories about Andrew. How many of you know Simon Peter? Yeah, I figure I'd get a little bit more with that. You know who Simon Peter was? He was the brother of Andrew. You know what Andrew did when he found Jesus? He said, hold on Jesus, let me go get my brother. And he went and got Simon Peter. And Simon Peter turned the world upside down for Jesus. Don't ever decline to share this gospel with people because you don't know when you're declining to give it to the next Simon Peter or the next Paul. The next person that could turn the world upside down for Jesus. You don't ever know what that person's in their heart. You don't know how good of a worker they'll be for God. You know what? Ananias' decision to go talk to Saul Tarsus turned out pretty good for the church. And he didn't want to do it. God, I know about this guy. He's putting people in prison. I don't want to go talk to him. But it worked out pretty good for us, didn't it? That he did. Personally, if I was giving myself a grade on this, I'd have to say right about now I'm a little bit closer to that. And that's hard for me to say because whenever I was growing up, I rode around with my dad and my what happened. The problem is I've gotten lazy about it. You young men. That are going around with Mike. It's going to be great. You're going to learn a lot of things. I've learned a lot of things from him. But the problem is, are we going to put it to work? I've been very not diligent about putting it to work. And I believe this is something we can all improve on. Taking the opportunities we have to share the great gift that we have. And I believe it's a command. And just like any other command, I think God expects us to obey it. And if we don't, we'll have to stand before him and answer, why didn't you do it? You ever been, I remember when I was little, I always hated to talk to dad whenever I didn't do something he asked me to do. Did you do that, son? No, I didn't, dad. Why not? I really didn't have a good excuse. There's other things I'd rather do, dad. To be honest with you, there's other things I wanted to do. Are we going to want to stand before God and have that conversation? Why didn't you go out and teach my word? Oh, there's just something else else I wanted to do. The mission of the church has always been to save souls. That's what God put us on this earth for. That is our mission in life. If anything gets in the way of you doing that mission, cut it out. That is what God put you here for. I can go into Paul's Ephesian letter where we're supposed to make known the manifold wisdom of God. I can go into Corinthians and tell you about the earth and vessels that we contain such great knowledge. But I went to the source. I went to Jesus. If the head of the church believes it, it's that important, shouldn't I? If the man that gave himself on the cross... Thinks it's that important, shouldn't I? So why don't we do it? You know, I'm sure there's going to be applications this afternoon. I haven't gotten into the details of things that you can plug yourself into. I can already look at Mike. He's already chomping at the bit to get up here. I haven't got into that. But what I want you to get a hold of is what the mission is. And then figure out a way to plug yourself into it after that. Because if we don't know the mission we can't get involved. If we don't know what we were set on this earth to do for God, we can't get involved. And you were set on this earth to go teach people, to make disciples out of them, to teach them the gospel, and to baptize them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. That's what you were put here for. That's what I was put here for. And I have been failing at that miserably. I will admit that. But we need to make a change. Because I don't want to stand before God and go, God, I had the opportunities. I just chose not to do it. That's not a conversation I want to have. You know, there's some conversations I look forward to, but that's not one of them. Do you know what the gospel is? Then you can teach it. That's basically as plain as I can put it. If you know what the gospel is, you can teach it. And then we'll worry about the other things, teaching them the other things later. Go out and teach. Teach them about that God. You know, when we baptize them, there's nothing special about that water. What's special is God does the circumcision made without hands in the heart. He puts his stamp on you saying, You're a Christian. You're one of mine. Go out and make more. That's what we need to do. Join the mission. I encourage you to join the mission today. It is a great mission. It is a mission that will change the world if we accept it. And I implore you to accept the mission today. And if we can help you in any way, won't you come as we stand to sing?